the disciples observed and watched this, and they came to Jesus and said, teach us to pray. Not teach us how to pray. Teach us to pray. Teach us to be praying constantly, always. Hello, and welcome to LifeQuest, a verse-by-verse exploration of the entire Bible to discover real life God's way. LifeQuest is a radio ministry of Alpine Christian Fellowship in Alpine, California, featuring the teaching ministry of Pastor Sherwood Patterson. On today's program, we'll be looking at Luke chapter 11, verses 1 and 2, which is the very beginning of the Lord's Prayer. Now, the start of something is always very important. As we observe Jesus begin to teach his disciples to pray, we see that he starts very simple, yet very profound. Jesus addresses God as our Father, which illustrates how close our relationship to God ought to be. And then Jesus says, Hallowed be your name, which illustrates how holy God is, so we will have the proper attitude of worship as we approach God in prayer. As Pastor Sherwood will teach us, prayer doesn't need to be complicated. In fact, it's rather simple. Today we will learn the simple yet profound way Jesus teaches us to pray. So now let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 11 and study God's Word with Pastor Sherwood. I'd like to read the text that was already read this morning. It's wonderful that we are able to read it again. If you would look at verse 1 of Luke chapter 11. Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place... When he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So Jesus said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now you may be familiar with this prayer. It's recorded elsewhere in the Gospels. And it is a pattern that Jesus has described for us in prayer. You'll notice a few themes that arise from this pattern. One is adoration. The other is submission. Supplication, intercession, and protection. We're going to be looking at adoration today. In the very first stanza, we see Jesus say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We're going to focus on that, uh, that phrase this morning. And one thing that was uh, interesting to me as I read through the Lord's Prayer again afresh in preparation for this study was if you look at the personal pronouns, if you underline them or circle them in your Bible or highlight them in your Bible app, you will see that all the personal pronouns are plural. I don't know if you've noticed that before, but we have ours, we have us, and we have we. 
It's interesting that Jesus describes for us this pattern of prayer, not necessarily in the repetition of these words that we ought to pray, but in the themes that we should include in our prayers. And Jesus basically is identifying for us that in prayer, prayer is so simple and prayer is also shared. And that is the theme that we understand where we see our, us, and we. It is not a a, a prayer that we are praying in and of ourselves, although we are encouraged to retreat into lonely places or into isolation and pray personally and privately with God. But prayer is also a shared experience with the body of Christ. And it's also so very simple. If you were to number or count the words that are used here in the Lord's Prayer, in the New King James Version, it's 59 words. Just 59 words in the Lord's Prayer. And I don't know about you, but oftentimes we complicate prayer so much. In fact, when we look at the simplicity of prayer, Jesus also taught in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 7. Jesus said, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. But when you pray, do not use vain repetition as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. A few things we understand about this scripture. One is that prayer is not directed to other people so that they can hear how eloquent or how good we pray. Two, prayer is a simple conversation with God. It's not directed to other people, but it is directed to to the Lord, and it is not complicated in the words that we use in our prayer. Notice what he says in Matthew 6, for their many words. And I don't know, you might have been in a prayer meeting or a prayer circle, and you heard someone next to you just going on and on in these great big words and all this theological depth and insight, and you decided, well, I'm not going to pray because that, I can't pray like that person. You probably felt that way before. Um, So prayer is not necessarily about how eloquent and how such great words that we can, you know, conjure up and, and, and speak so that others can say, wow, that person must be so close to God or that person must have such an awesome prayer life. Let's just put that on the table right now. All of us can grow in our ability to pray, but all of us can understand that prayer is simple. Very simple. Jesus is not condemning repetition in prayer because it's not wrong for us to use the Lord's Prayer and pray that word for word. But what he does condemn or rebuke is vain repetition where we are more concerned about what others hear and also where our hearts and minds are not fully engaged. That's the repetition in prayer. You maybe have just kind of in, in your prayer time, going through the motions and saying words, but your heart and your mind is not fully engaged in communicating with God. That's how simple prayer is. That's the direction of our prayer to God, not in great eloquence, but in just speaking to the Lord. Uh, in 1965, 
Bill Moyer, who is a journalist nowadays, he was a journalist special assistant to President Lyndon B. Johnson back in 1965. And he was uh, attending a White House dinner with Lyndon Johnson. And I don't know if you know about Lyndon Johnson, a big Texas man, rough and gruff and loud. And Lyndon Johnson asked Bill Moyer to pray over the meal that night. And so in a very soft, very quiet, very reverent voice, Bill Moyer, who was also a Baptist minister, prayed a prayer blessing over the food. And as he was praying, President Johnson, with a loud voice from the other side of the table, said, Speak up, Bill! Speak up! Kind of chastising him and yelling at him. And Moyer's response is so classic. He said very calmly and very directly, I was not addressing you, Mr. President. Now that's bold, but that's also a man who understands what prayer is. Prayer is not directed to the important people in our room or in our circle. Prayer is directed to God. And so we see how simple it is, but it is also shared. Throughout the scriptures, we see God's people encouraged to come together, encouraged to unite together in prayer. Uh, one of the most famous uh, scriptures you might be familiar with is Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. Not only does this encourage us to come together in prayer, but it also provides for us an opportunity for the Lord to hear us and to respond in kind. The scripture says, if my people who are called by my name will, number one, humble themselves, will pray, will seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then God promises to hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land. And that's, if you could put a theme on our time together in prayer and fasting, would be this simple prayer. That we come to the Lord in humility, we seek Him, we pray, we trust, but not only that, we turn from our wicked ways. We ask God to heal, to forgive, and to work in our lives, in our church, in our families, and in our world. And not only are we called uh, to pray, but we are also called to fast. Joel chapter 1 verse 14 says, Consecrate a fast, call a sacred assembly, gather the elders, and all the inhabitants of the land in the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. It's interesting if you look up the history of the National Day of Prayer and the proclamation appointing uh, the National Day of Prayer and Fasting by Abraham Lincoln. He calls for this very same thing back in 1863, I believe it is. You just Google those and you see the proclamation of the leader of our country commanding in exhorting and encouraging all of Congress, all of the Senate, all, uh, all of the leaders, all of the magistrates, uh, all of the state officials, and, and all of the inhabitants of the land to come together to pray, to fast, to seek the Lord on behalf of the needs of the country, and to repent and turn to God. We are encouraged that this is a shared experience. That this is something that if we are God's people, then we come to Him in prayer and in fasting. It is simple. It is shared. And notice in verse 1, as Jesus was praying in a certain place, that when He finished, when He ceased, 
his disciples came to him and asked him, teach us to pray. So obviously, the the disciples were observing and watching Jesus' prayer life. In fact, we see recorded in the Gospels uh, of Luke, just in Luke, over eight times Jesus praying publicly, praying privately, retreating to a, a, a private place to pray, to seek the Lord. The disciples observed and watched this, and they came to Jesus and said, teach us to pray. Not teach us how to pray. Teach us to pray. Teach us to be praying constantly, always. Not teach us how to walk on water, although that would have been cool, right? Jesus, how did you do that? Teach us how to do that. Not teach us how to perform miracles. Not teach us how to cast out demons. But teach us uh, to pray. Not teach us to preach, which was such a main focus of Jesus' ministry. But teach us to pray. I like what Andrew Murray had to say about this. Jesus did not speak much of what was needed to preach well, but much of praying well. To know how to speak to God is more than knowing how to speak to men. Not power with man, but power with God is the first thing. Is the first thing. As the disciples observed Jesus' prayer. And the times that he focused in on prayer, the disciples quickly discovered that Jesus' teachings and his power and all that he was and all that he did was linked to a result of his prayer life. Jesus, teach us to pray. Jesus' prayer life was the secret of his effectiveness. And it really wasn't a secret at all. It wasn't a secret at all. Teach us to pray. And that's what we're asking the Lord to do in our lives and in our church over these next three days and over the rest of our lives as we follow Him. If we are His people, called by His name, teach us to pray. And so we see that Jesus does this very thing. And He doesn't give them a formula. He doesn't give them words to repeat over and over again. He gives them the approach and the themes that are to accompany our prayer life. And the first thing that we see is this aspect and element of adoration, of adoring God. And so we are going to look at three very simple things that come from this first stanza. The first is the Father, the second is heaven, the third is a holy name. The Father identifies for us intimacy, intimacy, with God. Jesus takes this topic of prayer and says that this whole thing, this whole thing of prayer is based on relationship. It's based on a relationship. That as we come to God, as we come to Him, we come to Him as a Father. And I was, as I was praying this morning, um, just the the uh, example or the thought came to me about when I was teaching my kids how to ride a bike. And I was so nervous for them because I knew they were going to (laughs) fall or I thought they would fall. And uh, you put all this protective padding on them. You give them helmets and you put elbow things on and you just, you worry as a parent as you let loose and let go of that bike that they're going to fall and you know, bust their face up or break their arm or scratch their knee. 
So you don't just thrust your kid out. Maybe, maybe you do. Maybe. <laughs> uh, I didn't. I, I was teaching my girls first. I haven't taught my son. He's actually got it down and he's two years old. Uh, so he's just ripping and roaring, right? But with my girls, I wasn't just going to throw my girls out there. What did I do? I held onto the bike. I ran alongside with them. And slowly, I let go of that bike, and I, and I, and I let them get their balance. And, I, and, and, and more and more, I let them get further and further away. This relationship of a father. As a father, this title speaks of a privileged relationship with God, which is completely contrary to the Pharisees, to the scribes, to the religious rulers, to the people who were standing in the streets, this great, you know, orders of prayers. Oh God, oh holy God. It's a father. He's our father. He's, he, it's a close personal relationship. We address our prayers not to some distant, sterile deity, but a loving, active, caring, protective father. One we can trust. One who's right there around side of us, just running alongside when we're riding our bike. We can trust him. Prayer is accessed through this family plan, if you will. You know, we all have cell phones. This is, this is the family plan. We have unlimited talk. We have unlimited data. We have unlimited text with our heavenly father. John 1.12 says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. Galatians 3.26, For you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Prayer is directed to our Heavenly Father. Our, our Father, in relationship to him as his kids who love us and who care for us. Not only is he Father, but notice the position of our Father. He is in heaven. He is in heaven. This speaks of God's authority. We see intimacy as our Father. We see authority as, uh, as, as, as of God in heaven. We understand this to be God is sovereign. He is all-powerful. He is a ruler over everything. He is above all dominion, might, and authorities. He sees and controls all things. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that so, so great when we come to our Father in intimacy, knowing that He is above all things? Take a, take a look at a few verses in the Scriptures. 2 Chronicles 20, verse 6. O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of all the nations? And in your hand, is there not power and might so that no one else is able to withstand you? Psalm eleven four: the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids test the sons of men. Psalm 115, 3, but our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. If God is in heaven, if God has all authority, if God has all power, we are coming to Him as our Father in prayer. But have you ever noticed that when we pray, we just rush into the throne room of heaven and we just spill out all our guts and all of our cares and all of our concerns and all of our worries. We just pour that out. Jesus gives us this pattern of prayer. says, before you get to the supplication... 
Meaning before you start asking God to supply for your needs, before you get to intercession, praying for the needs of other people, acknowledge me as holy, as father, and as the one who has all authority and all control. Before we start praying about the daily bread, the temptations and, 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 and the forgiveness of sins, along with all those things that can overwhelm us in terms of the immediate needs that we have, Jesus explains that prayer begins by acknowledging God's power, God's rule, and God's authority from heaven. He is above everything and anything that we are dealing with or struggling with in our lives. Here's a principle of prayer for us based on God's authority over all things. Prayer provides us with the perspective of God's prominence over the pettiness of our petitions. Now, I'm not... I'm not devaluing the concerns and cares. We actually get to our petitions in prayer. And we will get to that over the course of the next three days where we ask God to intercede for the needs of our, of our family and for our, for our life, where we, where we confess our sins to the Lord. But prayer does not begin there. Prayer begins humbly through a relationship with God as our Father who loves us and cares for us and and who we can trust, but who we, we, we bow before him, who, who understand, we understand his authority and power. Great, great power. We have intimacy with God as our Father. We have access to God in heaven because of his authority, but also notice he is holy. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, that's kind of a, an old school word that we might not use. It basically means holy. It means holy. And what does, that, what does that mean? The definition of holy. It means to be set apart. We understand this to mean that there is no one like God. He is completely unique and altogether separate. He is by far above and beyond anything we can possibly think or imagine. He is, he is completely independent of you and I. He is solely and wholly and entirely separate and altogether unique in and of himself. There is nothing that we can add to God. There is nothing that God is lacking. There is nothing that God is missing. He is sufficient in and of himself. He is holy. And then he turns around and says, Be ye holy, for I am holy. As God's people, by faith in Jesus Christ, being redeemed, we now are set apart. We now are unique. We now are God's chosen and special people. To be holy as God is holy. And if God is holy, if he is separate from all things, then he is the one and only who deserves all of our worship, all of our adoration, all of our attention, all of our submission is directed 
to the person and character of God. And that's what that word name, you know, uh, you know, the, the name back in the Jewish culture represented someone's entire character and personality. They would name people, and it's interesting that the names that they would name the children when they were born would kind of, you know, the reputation of that name would kind of carry on throughout the person's life. And we may see some of that today. Uh, but when you look at the scriptures and the name or the names of God, you see the full identity. You see how this defines God's reputation, God's essence, and God's nature. God in His essence, in His being, is holy. And because He is holy, He is to be worshipped and honored and praised. So as we, as we enter into this prayer that Jesus has has modeled for us this pattern of prayer. We come into God's presence recognizing that He is our Father. He loves us. He loves us. He cares for us. He wants the best for us. He's running beside us as, as, as we wobble in life, as we're on the verge of falling, and He grabs the handlebar. And sometimes when we, when we get off course and we, and we crash into the parked car, as my daughter did, or, or as we fall on the pavement and, the, and, and, and our life handlebars are bent and, and our wheel is flat and our seat is turned, he says, he picks us up. He picks us up. He straightens the bar and he adjusts the alignment and he fills the flats in our life. And he says, get back up. He's cheering you on. He's encouraging you. He's walking with you. And he's just, he's, and he's letting you go. He's saying, oh, you got it. You got it. He's our father. A father who has all power and all authority over anything that's going on in your life or in our world. Thank you, Pastor Sherwood. Now, our prayer today is that your prayers will be simple yet profound as you learn to pray the way Jesus has taught us. If you want to talk with someone right now, or if you want prayer or counseling, you can call 619-561-4777. That's 619-561-4777. Someone is ready to talk to you right now. LifeQuest is produced and sponsored by Alpine Christian Fellowship. We're located in Alpine, California, just off the Interstate 8 freeway at the Harbison Canyon Dunbar exit. You can see the tall white cross from the freeway. Join us every Sunday at 9 a.m. for a time of prayer, followed by our worship service at 10 a.m. Be sure to bring the whole family because the children's ministry is also at 10. For more information about Alpine Christian Fellowship, visit our website at acffamily.com. That's acffamily.com. There you'll find a detailed map and full information about Alpine's ministries, both local and international. Join us next time on this station for another LifeQuest teaching program where we look at real life God's way.